Welcome, really good to have you here this morning. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, my name is Julian. Uh, I'm the assistant pastor, not the pastor, uh, of this church. Our uh, awesome pastors are away this weekend. Uh, they're visiting Marimbula, I think it is, um, and hanging up there for a little while. And I think he's ministering today, uh, for those that know, Pastor Cam. Um, and the crew up there, I think he's ministering at their church. So um, just really encourage you to keep them in your prayers. And um, yeah, um, they're having a well-earned break. So I think that's awesome. So I'm going to share the word this morning. Uh, I always premise my messages by saying this. It could be long or it could be really short. <laughs> so uh, we'll see how we go this morning. But I just wanted to talk about, I don't know if this is something a bit different. For those that have been around here for a long time, this isn't something different. Um, but uh, I just wanted to preach about something that's just something very dear to my heart, uh, very strong uh, in my life. Um, but it's something that God's just been, you know, particularly this week has really just been bringing me back to in a greater way and a greater level and, uh, and a greater dimension. So I don't even have a, a title for the message. Uh, you can work that out at the end. Um, but uh, just like God calls people and individuals to different things, uh, there's also a specific and unique DNA on individual churches. All right, so there's a, there's a core mandate for the church. Um, we should know this, Matthew 28 um, go therefore into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's like a, a core mandate. Every church should be doing that, I think. Should be going out, reaching out, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son. It's like a core value, it's a core uh, mandate for the church. But city builders, like every other church around, has its unique call. Look at our unique DNA. Okay, if you've been here long enough, you've probably picked that up. Um, but we, we have our unique call. We have our unique DNA. It's given by God. And, uh, and it comes through, ultimately, the father and the mother of the house. Or the spiritual father and mother, I should say, of the house, which is Pastor Brian and Lynn. It's an apostolic and it's a prophetic in nature. And this is like the DNA and the, the call, the unique call on this house. There are things God has given us that we value. Uh, it's the revelation God has given this house to function in. You know, we talk a lot about the apostolic. We talk a lot about the prophetic. We talk a lot about relationships, deep relationships, covenant relationships, family, discipleship, uh, the revelation of sonship. There you go. There's the title of my message. The revelation of sonship. So uh, there's things that God has put here that we value very dearly. So we'll always do the basics. All right, every church should. Matthew 28, go into all the world, make disciples, baptize them, preach the gospel, reach out, disciple people, baptize people. We will do all this. And every church should, I believe. But at the heart of who we are, our DNA is like a training and equipping church. 
We function best from the revelation and call of the spiritual mother and father on this house, which is Pastor Brian and Lynn. So I wanted to talk about this this morning because, uh, you know, it's been, it's been an awesome year. We've, we've got a lot of way today. Actually, I had a number of text messages this morning. My kid's sick. This is happening, da-da-da-da-da. So there's a lot of our core guys, you know, away today. But it's good just to see, you know, a heap of, of fresh faces as well. I think that's really good. So there's new people coming. There's new people been joining the church a lot this year. Uh, and some are really beginning to, you know, link in and join their hearts, you know, with who we are and what we are. And it's always good, I think, to come back and revisit you know, what is important to us and what we value. So like I said, it's probably a bit of a different message, but it's, uh, it's, it's something that we value in this house. So there are a number of things that we value, like I mentioned before, but today I want to talk about sonship. And it's actually, you know, a massive topic, sonship. You know, as I was preparing last night, I was just like, man, you go off in a whole lot of different directions, you know, on a topic like this. But today I want to come from the perspective of finding your place of sonship, uh, one, in the house of God, uh, but two, you know, in regards to spiritual mother and father. So when I first came here, uh, I was searching. So I, I came here, I think it was 96, something like that. So do the maths, 26 plus years or 25 plus years, because it's probably 26 years. Um, you all right? Some of you are looking worried. <laughs> Good. So when I first came here, I was searching, 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 searching. I didn't know what for. Uh, I'd actually grown up in a, in a great family, a Christian family. Uh, walked away for a little bit, did my own thing, but it was just this something on the inside. It was like this call of God that I knew was always there um, to, to not do this, but just to walk with him. Uh, in the right way, uh, not in the way I was walking. So when I came here, I was really searching. And uh, it actually came from a conversation I'd had with my dad in the kitchen. We'd had a bit of a, a Barney, and he's like, what are you going to do with your life? You know, I wasn't really doing much. I'd been overseas to get this. I'd... <laughs> I wasn't really going to church. And then I decided to go to the Philippines to do Bible college. Yeah, it's bizarre when I think about it now, actually. I'm like, shivers, that was really weird. <laughs> and then, to cut a really long story short, and it's, it sounds impressive when I say it, but it, uh, it, I got deported from uh, the Philippines uh, back to Australia. Yeah, it, it's, it sounds good, but when, if I told you the story, it wouldn't be as, you know, exciting or exotic as you think, but still, I got deported. <laughs> but the point is... And that's right. So in the kitchen, Dad's like, what are you going to do with your life? And I'm like, I don't know. Who's that bloke you know in sale? I'll go there. And that's kind of the discussion and how it ended up that I moved down here. But I was searching. I was looking. But I just didn't know what for. Uh, I just knew there had to be something more than what I was living. There had to be something more than just going to church. There had to be something more that was so much more real than just attending church. Um, you know, and the minute I walked here into Sale, into City Builders Church, it wasn't called City Builders then, um, but the minute I walked in, I realised that this was where I was meant to be. And I thank God for that. 
And that won't happen to everyone. I get that. But for me, it happened. And I know for so many others here, you know, that has happened. There's been like this moment where we've gone, this is where I'm meant to be. It's where God has called me. And I thank God so much for that. Uh, Even at that point, I still didn't really realise what it was I was looking for. I just knew I'd found it. You know, I'd come with this culture internally that was counter to what the culture of this house was. In fact, at the time, it was probably counter to any church I walked into. But it was counter, you know, especially to, to here. And that's all right. That's okay. And like I said, in worship, it was all about me, what I could do. Big boy from the city coming to help out tiny country church, you know. <laughs> In a nutshell. Sorry, you should... No, I'm not very big. (laughs) That's right. No, I'm not. (laughs) Get this, my son turned 14 today. I'm the father of a (laughs) 14-year-old. And if not already, by tomorrow he'll be taller than me, I'm sure. But it was all about me. And I needed to realise... That, uh, that it wasn't about me, but it had to be let it be done to me according to your will. And it's the process I've been on. You know, I remember uh, Tim. Where's Timmy? Timmy Wallace, right down the back. <laughs> I hope you don't mind me telling this story, but I was just thinking of it last night. I thought it was funny. I remember when Tim first came, I had him round to my house. Now, Tim has married my sister. Um, Beck, um, but when Tim first came, I remember we had him round for dinner, and and uh, we're sitting in the lounge room. I said, "What do you reckon? Why do you think God called you here?" And he said, "Oh, I'm going to find a wife." <laughs> and I said, "I don't think you realise why God called you here." <laughs> and he went on his own journey of discovery, and thank God he married my beautiful sister Beck. But sometimes we just, you know, my point is this, you know, we can, I was searching, but I didn't even really know what for. But I just knew it had to be something more than what I was living, what I was, where I was at the time in my life. So not long after arriving here, I remember God speaking to me really clearly um, uh, to me and, uh, sorry, can't even read my notes. Not long after arriving, I remember God speaking to me and really settling things in my heart regarding this church and Pastor Brian and Lynn. Uh, And God said to me that they love you, they will always do the best by you, and you can trust them. And it's something I've just carried day after day after day for 26 years in my heart uh, for this place and for them. And it's helped me because sometimes you've, I've wanted to run. Sometimes, I remember, you know, years, oh, I can't even remember when this was at part of my journey. I remember saying to Pastor Brian, I've just got to go away. I, it felt like the rug, it was like I was, every, this, this rug represents everything I'd built my life on. And, uh, and it was good and it was about me and it was secure and it was okay, it was good. And it was like God had ripped it out from underneath me and there was nothing there. But it was exactly where God wanted me to be. And I remember at that point, I'm like, what am I doing? You know, I'd come to this place where I'd, I'd, 
really just thought, man, God is here for me. This is my house. This is where he wants to build me and establish me. But at the same time, it was like I was standing on nothing, you know, underneath. And I had to, you know, I went away for a couple of weeks. I went up bush and just sought God. And, uh, and it was, you know, during this time that, you know, really began to settle things in my heart. So little did I know that at that point, uh, I'd found what I was looking for, uh, even though I didn't know what it was. And it's what I call a spiritual father. So Paul was a spiritual father to Timothy, Elijah to Elisha, Samuel to David. The Bible's full of it, and it's just all through there. So Papa Jonathan, uh, so not long after this, I'm just telling you a bit of my story. Hopefully this helps you this morning. So uh, for those that have been, again, around for a little while, you would have heard the name Dr. Jonathan David. Um, He's Pastor Brian's um, spiritual father. Uh, mentor, and uh, and he, not long after I moved here, I went to a meeting with him, and uh, he prophesied over me. And he said, "You are raw material going to the mill. Uh, you are the raw material, and Pastor Brian and Lynn are the mill." And uh, and at the time, I probably didn't even realise exactly what that meant. And I know I've said many, many, many times before. If I knew, in fact, I had a a, a word over me before I moved to Sale. Uh, it was a church I vaguely attended um, on the odd occasion. And uh, I rocked up this one night and the pastor picked me out and he goes, um, he, oh, I won't tell you the whole thing, but he basically said, uh, God is relocating you. And he talked about open heaven and he goes, I can see everything in this open heaven around your life. But God's actually telling me not to tell you because if I tell you, you won't go. Now, and I've said this before, if any normal person would go, oh, I won't go. <laughs> but I still went. And uh, so it was just God leading me. It was God bringing me to this place where he wanted me to be. So it was raw material. There was another prophecy at the time, you know, that it has really saved my life through this whole thing is know who your spiritual father is. Understand that, know it, set it in stone. And it's really helped me and protected me and covered me over these years. So the theme there was God is making me and he was going to use Pastor Brian and Lynn and the family uh, to do it. So God will use all sorts of ways to make you. God is not uh, one dimensional. God will use all sorts of ways to make us into true sons, true daughters. When I say sons, I'm talking about everyone. Don't get offended. The heart of a son is make me. You know, and God can do that so many, many, many ways through relationship. Man, that's a big one. You know, when we were working on this building uh, and and restoring it and renovating it, God made people uh, through relationship Uh, because it wasn't always pretty. It wasn't always rosy. You know, there was, there was uh, differing opinions. There was uh, differing ways of doing things. Uh, there was differing everything, all right? <laughs> but, it, but God made, you know, aligned and sharpened and did things through that in relationship. So God uses relationship, he uses covenant, he uses discipleship, he uses all different sorts of ways. God had to bring me from uh, Melbourne to the Philippines, back to Melbourne, to sail, to do what he was going to do in my life. 
Uh, God will use whatever way you know, he can to make you if you have a responsive heart. So I'm talking about this today uh, because God has been re-reminding me and adjusting me and realigning me at the moment. And I just really feel that in this topic. So that's what I'm going to talk to you about it today. He's taking me deeper. He's taking me further. He's removing self. He's removing any familiarity that might be there. And it's a progressive journey that God's been taking me on for more than 20 years. So I hope this is making sense this morning and I hope it's you know, aligning with you and I hope it's, it's helping you. So the other reason I'm talking about this is because, well, let me read the scripture. 1 Timothy 6.20. So it's just something that God brought before me you know, at the beginning of this week and I just haven't been able to sort of stop reading it. O Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust. So this is Paul talking to Timothy. Guard what was committed to your trust, avoid, avoiding the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. By professing it, some have strayed concerning the faith. Grace be with you, amen. So it's a cry of a father to a son, you know, saying, guard what's been committed to you. Guard what I've put inside you. Guard, you know, what it is that, uh, that's um, been committed to your trust. You know, avoid all the other opinions and conversations and babblings and all that sort of thing and stick true to, to what it is that's been given to your trust. The other thing God's just been really opening up to me is uh, in 2 Samuel, it talks about how uh, when David became king, he brought the ark of God uh, back uh, to Israel. And I just started to sort of read into this and look into it. And, uh, you know, Samuel's anointing affected the life of David to such an extent that the first thing that David did when he became king of Israel was bring back the ark of God to Israel. Samuel impacted him so much that the first thing he did when he became king was to do what was in Samuel's heart. So Samuel's greatest desire was the ark, was to bring the ark back to Israel. He was dedicated at birth for that reason. Uh, You know, his purpose in life was to minister before the ark. So it was this thing that was in Samuel. And uh, this desire and longing was transferred to David. So David spent almost, history tells us um, that Davis, David, Davis, David spent about 10 years with Samuel when he ran away from Saul. So there was this time there where David spent under Saul. He learned to prophesy, he learned to worship, he learned to do those things. You know, and Samuel was like a spiritual father and a mentor to David. And it was during this time that David caught the cause or the desire that was on the inside of Samuel's heart. And the first thing he did when he became king was bring the ark back. You know, so I really believe today's generation, you know, you know if, if I can put it this way, today's generation is a fatherless generation. You know, unless the prophetic fulfills its purpose of joining the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the hearts of the sons to the fathers, there'll be no spiritual succession or continuation of God's purpose. You know, and we see that in Malachi 4, verse 5 and 6, where, you know, where, where God says, you know, the hearts of the fathers need to turn to the children, the hearts of the children back to the fathers, lest I strike the earth with a curse. 
but it talks about Elijah in there. So there's this prophetic element. So ultimately, we're sons of God. All right? Don't get me wrong. Don't misquote me. Don't misinterpret what I'm saying this morning. But sons, like it says in Romans, sons are led by the Spirit of God. And a spiritual father, I believe, is vital to the connection with God and moving us past the flesh into the spirit. So, got a couple of points this morning. I was going to start off my little timer to see how long I went for. What time is it? You will be out early. (laughs) Let's turn to Philippians. Philippians 2, 19 to 24. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly. Again, this is Paul speaking. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself will come to you shortly. So there's a couple of things I just want to pull out of this. Paul was a spiritual father to Timothy, very clear. Uh, And I want to grab some wisdom, if I can, and some points from this scripture this morning to help you. So first of all, number one, sons represent the father. Verse 19, it says, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send you Timothy to you shortly, that I may also encourage you, sorry, that I may be encouraged when I know your state. So sons represent the Father. You know, if this is your church, then you're responsible for this church. You know, you're responsible for how you represent it. Uh, We're ambassadors for the house, we're ambassadors for the message, for the call on this place. Uh, We're ambassadors even for our spiritual father. So Levi is my son. So it's like he, in the natural, he is an ambassador of me. If he goes around town acting like a buffhead, it doesn't look good on me. Does that make sense? Now, it's not my fault necessarily, but as a father, if I haven't trained him right and trained him well, then, uh, you know, and he goes around doing whatever and uh, not representing the values of our household or the values of our family accurately, then he's not representing it. So if you're, if as a, as a son or a daughter of the house, if this is where God has called you uh, and God's planted you and God's placed you, then there's a responsibility and we're ambassadors. So number two, This is going to be really quick. I can see the smiles coming on your faces already. Livy, loving it. (laughs) Sons carry a like-minded spirit. Verse 20, for I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. Sons carry a like-minded spirit. You know, there's a connection in the spirit. You know, Mark shared last week briefly about when he first walked in this place, there was this connection. He just knew. And it's not always smooth sailing. You know, I know God has done all sorts of things to bring me on my journey, 
to, to, to bring me to the place where it's more about him and less about me. But there's this connection and it's that connection that I've trusted and I've believed in for this whole time that's, that's kept me going, that's kept me here, that's not allowed me to get offended. I've got a, a, a rule or a value in my life to refuse to get offended. Offense takes people out so quick. So there's a like-minded passion to the Father. So like-minded means, you know, having a like disposition or purpose. So similar tastes, similar opinions. There's a oneness in the Spirit. And in 1 Samuel 14, 7, it's the account of uh, David and his armor-bearer. And, uh, and uh, I won't go through the whole account, but, uh, but at the uh, end of this the story, basically, well, I will, I'll, I'll make, so then you know what I'm talking about. Um, so, da- the, the, uh, so David and his armor bearer were down the bottom of a ravine or a cliff or whatever it was, and up the top, uh, on the top was the Philistines. And David, if I remember the story well, uh, correctly, was, uh, was like, let's get up there and, uh, and go after, sorry, that, sorry, Jonathan, I've got the wrong story. Jonathan and his armor bearer. Okay, let me get this right. Otherwise, you'll, you'll say I'm teaching you the wrong things. Jonathan and his armor bearer. Jonathan's down there. He goes, let's do this. It might be that God works for us. Now, I'm not a man of war, but I do understand that probably the Philistines had the greater advantage in position. All right, would that be right, Dirk? Yep, on the top. Yep. So, uh, but his, his armor bearer said the most amazing thing. He goes, yeah, sure. And he said more than that. Do all that is in your heart. I am with you, heart and soul. You're right. I want to make sure you're happy this morning. All right. Good. So Jonathan's armor bearer said to him, do all that's in your heart. I am with you, heart and soul. And that's the heart of a son. So it doesn't mean we're stupid. Um, you know, and this brings me to my next part. We can be different personalities. You know, this is not about clones. Uh, we can be different personalities. There'll be different expression. The way I express my Christianity and my walk with God is very different uh, or can be very different to Pastor Brian, to Beck, to John, to Greg, to, you know, to whoever. Um, but that's not what it's about. It's not, per, it's not about personality. It's not about expression. Uh, it's about the Im, inner dynamic of the spirit uh, that's very similar to my father. That's why when Mark walked in, there was a resonation and he went, oh, this is the house. He didn't even know that's what he thought, I bet you. But he thought that. He goes, this is the place. It's when I walked in here, I knew it was the place, but I didn't know what for. But there was this resonation. It was a frequency so it's the inner dynamic of the spirit that's similar to the father. Sons carry a like-minded spirit. So in other words, we're not clones. We can be very strong individuals. We've got a lot of strong individuals in this church. I think it's good and I think it's healthy, but we carry the same spirit and that's the way it needs to be. You know, Elisha, uh, you know, when Elijah asked him, um, you know, what is it that I can give you? You know, Elisha's response was, give me a double portion of your spirit. 
So it wasn't give me a double portion of your miracles, give me a double portion of whatever. It was give me a double portion of your spirit, the spirit that Elijah carried. Elisha wanted that and more. Number three, sons are concerned for the father's concern. Verse 20, 21. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state, for all seek their own not the things which are of Christ Jesus. Sons carry the same burden and vision of the Father. Their hearts are for the same things. You know, Samuel, David's heart was for what was in the heart of Samuel. He wanted to bring the ark of God back to Israel. You know, sons volunteer to do what is in the heart of the Father. You know, we've talked about this a lot. Uh, This building... um, you know, uh, was in the heart of Pastor Brian and Lynn. 30, however many years ago it was, sitting across at what was Marsh's Deli or cafe or what it was across the road there. This is before he was a pastor. Um, He was probably John's age, I'm guessing 28. I was going to say six. You look young. Uh, 28, he was probably somewhere around that age and he was visiting here and he sat across from the building and he went, one day there's going to be a church in there. And it was the beginning of like a 30-year journey to God bringing this place, uh, this to what it is today. But what happened is there was a son and there were sons that began to grab a hold of that and make it happen because it was in the heart of the Father and it was something that God had put there and it was something that God wanted to happen, but it was actually sons that begin to, began to make it happen. Make sense? So sons know that what is in the heart of the father is part of their own destiny. I know that my destiny is linked here. I hope you know that. If you're a visitor this morning, I hope this is home for you. If not, find the place where your destiny is. You know, uh, you don't want to be forever at angst or forever at, uh, you know, clashes because maybe you're not where God has called you to be. You know, I've heard Pastor Brian say many times, if this is not your house, fine, but go find it. You know, don't be a burr in our undies and don't let us be a burr in yours. You know, that God, there's, there's not a lot of time and we've got to serve God right and we've got to serve him well and we may as well find where it is that God is going to plant us and establish us and make us uh, live our best Self, that's not the right word I was looking for. Self, not self, but our best thing that God wants for us. Does that make sense? You know, it makes so much, so much sense to me because I've been in places where I just didn't, great places, good churches, great people, great pastor, um, but just didn't feel like this is just not quite right. And it was nothing against them. It was God hadn't put me right in the place where I needed to be at that point. Sons are concerned for the concerns of the father. So sons know that what is in the sorry that what is in the heart of the father is part of their own destiny. This is why I can't go anywhere. So this is why I have been here for twenty plus years. And there's people here that have been here longer than me. I just honestly, if I can brag about anything, I love bragging about that because I think it it's so awesome. That I, you know, I keep saying I, I don't want to keep saying I, but it's just something that I truly, truly thank God for that He's blessed me to be able to serve 
him in the way he wants me to serve him in a house for so long because you don't see it often. So sons know that what is in the heart of the father is part of their own destiny. My destiny is intrinsically entwined with this house. It's completely entwined with Pastor Brian and Lynn. It's completely entwined with the Heath family, with John, with Amy, with Anita, with Elise, with Claire, with Renee. And I'm seeing that more and more. David's destiny, among other things, was to return the ark of God back to Israel. And this came from God through the heart of Samuel. So ultimately, the relationship is such that the son knows the burden of the father and, what, and that burden that he carries is a genuine burden for Christ Jesus to be built and formed in them. Did that make sense? Ultimately, the relationship is such that the son knows the burden the father carries is a genuine burden for Jesus Christ to be built and formed in them. So it's not about Pastor Brian and Lynn. It's about the burden that they carry to form Christ on the inside of us. In Galatians 4.19, it says, Paul says, my little children for whom I am again in the pains of labour. Let me read, hold on, let me find it. Because I don't think I wrote it down right. Galatians 4.19. My little children for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. So there's a burden on a father to form Christ in the sons. You know, I know there's a burden on my heart as a natural father to, to build Christ on the inside of my sons and daughter. So... Um, so, it's a, so this is Paul's heart there. You know, I, I, it's like, and in the Amplified it says, for whom I am again in birth pangs. You know, again, so it's something that he continually kept coming back to, to build Christ on the inside of these one's lives. Christ be formed in you. It's the heart, absolute heart of the Father. One of the most powerful things a spiritual father can transfer is knowing the heart of Father God. So I just want to make this very clear this morning, you know, what I'm talking about. The mo one of the most powerful things a spiritual father can do in transfer is transferring that knowledge of the heart of Father God into a son. It's moving further and deeper in relationship with Father God. And I know for me, you know, on my journey, uh, you know, in my process, whatever you want to call it, uh, in this 20 years has been a continual process of being pushed closer and closer and closer to God, further and further into God, deeper into what He wants, deeper into knowing Him, deeper into understanding Him, deeper into Christ being formed on the inside of my heart. So this moves us beyond self, beyond the flesh, to truly know how to be led by the Spirit of God, like Romans 8, 14 says, that sons will be led by the Spirit of God. So this type of relationship moves us beyond self, moves us beyond the flesh to truly know how to be led by the Spirit of God, to truly become sons of God. This is what the world's waiting for. 
Romans 8.19, we know it well. I think I said it there in worship. Let me read it properly. Sorry, we'll get there. Romans 8.19. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. So this is what the world is waiting for, sons of God. So Elisha understood, uh, he understood this. Because he said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? You know, when Elijah was taken up, you know, and the mantle fell on Elisha, the first thing he did was cry out to, uh, not, if I can put it this way, well, let me put it this way. He cried out to the God that was on the inside of Elijah. Now, it's the same God, but it was the dynamic that he carried, the spirit dynamic of what Elijah carried, the understanding of God that Elijah carried. Elisha cried out for that dimension. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? He was trained to follow the spirit of God, or for us, Christ, in and through his spiritual father. So I hope this makes sense this morning. And my last point Number four, a son's heart response is make me. So there's this song, I love this song. Uh, It's called God in the Making of Me. And these are some of the words in it. Here's my hands, here's my feet. I surrender my will, take my life, take it all. Here I am, I respond to your call. Uh, God in the making of me. You know, a son's true heart is God make me. God build me. God let Christ be formed in me. God let your kingdom be established in me. You know, the cry of a son's heart is for God to have his way. It really is, you know, not perfect in any way, but the cry of my heart is God Continue to do the work that you need to do. Continue to make me. Continue to remove everything of self so that it truly is Christ in me, the hope of glory, not a little bit of Julian and his talents mixed in. You know, the cry of a son's heart is for God to have his way in their lives. You know, Mary was a great example of this the mother of Jesus, Mary. Let it be done to me according to your will. I think it's one of the most amazing bits of scripture. Uh, I don't know, for me, it's just one of the most amazing things that a young girl like that could just say, God, let it be done to me. Jesus, our absolute example of this, he was a son. He only did what the father directed him to do. He said right at the end, not my will, but your will be done. Even in the absolute agony of what was about to happen on the cross, uh, the words of Jesus or the heart of Jesus was not my will, but your will be done. You know, this is a heart of a son. The heart of a son is God make me. Musicians can go up, I'm done. Almost. Don't clap yet. No, you can clap. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. 
Some of you have been around for years and you're not clapping. (laughs) You don't need to clap me. But it is the heart, the cry of a son's heart is for God to have his way. You know, and God is in the making of us. So in Genesis 1.26, it says, let us make man in our own image. God is in the business of making us. And then when Jesus comes on the scene in the Gospels, you know, he calls out to the fishermen and he says, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. You know, there's this theme through the word that, you know, God is in the making of us, in the making of you. So how about we stand this morning? I am done now. You can clap now. No. (laughs) So God is in the making of us, but it starts with accepting him. You know, it starts with having a personal relationship with him. You know, we're all on a journey. And, uh, And this is where, you know, I was even thinking about Maybe I probably could have because I've finished quite early. I could have added more in there. But, uh, but we are on a journey and it does start with accepting him as our Lord and Saviour. And then it's this process of allowing God to have his way in our hearts and in our lives. And like I said before, God will do that in any way God can to get our attention. You know, even though I was running from God, basically. Grew up in a Christian home. It's the most bizarrest thing. Bizarrest? It's the most bizarre thing that in, how would I word, in my running and in my sin, there was a deep, deep, deep heart for God. But I knew that the minute that I stopped and let God have his way, that was it for me. So I didn't do that. I kept running because <laughs> I wasn't ready. But God eventually had his way. If I, it's, hindsight is an amazing thing. If I knew property sales were going to go through the roof the way they have, I would have bought a lot of houses three years ago. <laughs> hindsight is an amazing thing. Where was I going with that? Sorry. Yeah, if I knew I've lost my train of thought, sorry. Yeah, look, <laughs> hindsight is an amazing thing. And there was something really profound I was about to say, but it's just left my mind. But God is in the making of you, and He's in the making of me, and it starts with a relationship with Him.